you're listening to Meet the Thriller Author, the podcast that features interviews with thriller, mystery, and suspense authors. I am your host, Alan Peterson, and today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com forward slash M-T-T-A. That's an M as in murder. Over 180,000 titles, including great thrillers to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. So stay tuned for the next episode of Meet the Thriller Author. Uh, meet the thriller author, and for uh, today's uh, podcast, I have uh, Marie McDonald on the line. She writes uh, fast uh, paced, uh, action packed uh, thrillers, and uh, I've actually been reading his first uh, one of his books, Divide and Conquer, and I can vouch for that. The, the action starts at the first, uh, <laughs> the first sentence. How are you doing, Marie? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Good, yeah, and thank you, you so much. Well, I'm doing good. Thank you. Thanks for uh, for joining us. I know it's kind of, kind of late for you in uh, in the UK, so I appreciate it. No, not at all. Not at all. It's not too late. It's only eight o'clock, so it's not too bad. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, please? What can I say? I'm mid forties, unfortunately. Um, they seem to have sort of crept up very quickly. Um, I started writing, I would say, about ten years ago. Um, something I had never sort of thought about doing until I sat down one day and started writing a book, and before I knew it, I had finished one. Um, I also own a small company, and um, that's a retail company, um, so that takes up some of my time, unfortunately, from writing, um, and get involved a bit with some of the work my wife does as well, so I certainly keep myself busy. Um, I think I've now just finished my 12th novel, um, um, and trying to just keep busy, keep things moving, sort of get the ideas flowing, getting them down on paper as quick as they sort of come into the mind to make sure things are sort of getting out there as quickly as they can. So how to describe my novels would be, um, well, fast-paced action thrillers um, with usually there's a bit of a twist at the end that you're not expecting, or at least I hope you're not expecting, but um, as I sort of had a conversation with a sort of friend of mine who's also an author, um, I would like to think there's enough clues that sort of hint towards this sort of twist at the end, and they never completely come out of left field. And the 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 sort of the clues and the hints are in there that there's something not quite what you think is going to happen. So the idea being that although there is maybe a surprise at the end, it shouldn't be a complete and total surprise. So I think I've been accused a couple of times of a juice ex machina and I always sort of find that the most frustrating things because they've obviously just not seen the clues. But anyway, um, so yes, I would say fast-paced action thrillers and uh, page turners, I would hope. And do you uh, have a, do you like write a specific series or are they all standalone? Um, the they are all standalones apart from the first two books I've written, which are um, a young two young adult thrillers, um, which were sort of part of a trilogy. Um, I've not written the trilogy yet, which sort of upsets quite a few of my sort of young adult readers. 
Um, and that's basically because I started writing adult thrillers and each time I finished one had a different idea and have just never got around to going back and writing that third trilogy. I do promise that I will do it one day. Um, it's just getting the time to actually go back and do it. But no, they're all standalones. So of the sort of 12 that I've written, 10 are complete standalone thrillers, no links to either or any of each of them. Um, and I uh, have this sort of conversation with quite a few people, which is standalone versus uh, series and it sort of comes down to I have this sort of thought of the law of diminishing returns which is if I write a first in a series only a certain percentage will read the second it's highly unlikely you'll ever get 100% will read the second one and then likewise for the third the fourth the fifth the sixth so therefore by the time you read this, write the sixth you're actually only writing to a much smaller audience it's probably, it could be right, it could be wrong, I don't know, <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> but certainly at the moment, it's um, it's something I've always thought, which is, well, why would I write a book that I know is going to sell less than the one I've just written? But anyway. <laughs> yeah, so it's a strategy behind it. <laughs> to a certain extent, that and the fact that I've just always enjoyed the, I usually, as I'm sort of halfway through a book, will start thinking about another storyline or have another, another storyline sort of forming in my mind. And so far to date, the storylines have never been sort of part of the series. So I've always, each of my novels has a, a beginning, a middle and an end. And okay, there is a chance that yes, you could potentially have something happen after that. But each book has a definitive end. Um, I'm not a great fan of the sort of cliffhanging wait for the next episode type thing. I always think a book, if you're going to write a book, write a book with an ending, not necessarily with a beginning of the next book, if you see what I mean. Yeah, no, I agree with that. that makes sense. Book. Yeah, oh yeah, I'm not, I'm not a big fan of that. Cliffhangers as well. <laughs> yeah, um, the whole episodic ideas, that's not really, I think, what people are looking for when they buy books. It's become a new thing, I think. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's sort of, you leave cliffhangers, and, f- and fair enough, some people do very well with it, some readers really enjoy it. Um, I like having a beginning, a middle, and an end, and I know where I'm going to, and it's not sort of going to... So, yes, there's a chance, there's a couple of books that I've got that I definitely have a storyline for another book with the same characters. Whether you would class it as a series, you probably, in the Jack Reacher style of a series, i.e., it's a completely standalone storyline separate to the first storyline just with the same characters. Mm. Uh, but maybe building on the story but not necessarily and in a different story, not necessarily the same story, if you see what I mean. Yeah. So there's a couple of books that I potentially have. Um, well, there's actually three, um, which is The God Complex. I definitely have a sort of second storyline for and potentially three storylines which could sort of feed on from one another, but again, not necessarily, no cliffhangers in each, just a sort of, again, a beginning, middle, and end. Traitor and Divide and Conquer, the one you just mentioned, potentially have yeah. second books. Yeah, that was a great opening on uh, Divide and Conquer. 
Is that the, I you, you remember what that opening is, to be honest. I'm going to have to try well, the character walks into a hotel room and it's all covered in plastic. Oh, yeah, 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 I remember. That is not a good sign. (laughs) Yeah, he dies in the first chapter, yes. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. The the lead character who's named on the front of the book dies in the first chapter. Yes, I was very confused about that, so I won't won't give away the plot, but yeah, I haven't finished yet, but uh, yeah, I was like, okay. I, I actually did do the... I thought that I thought that was a Sean Fox thriller. <laughs> <What? laughs> yeah, no. yeah, because I think I, I, yeah, because I deliberately put his name on the front cover. Yeah. Um, yeah, because he dies in chapter one. Yes. So yeah, yeah you take it a bit of a surprise in chapter one. Yeah, so no, that's good though. That's that you plan like when you're uh, when you start writing these, do you like do a lot of plotting, or you just kind of get start writing? Uh, what's your process? Your writing process? My process is I tend to have an idea in my mind. Um, so I'm trying to think back to Divide and Conquer. Divide and Conquer was basically based on the principle, and again, I'll come back to the Jack Reacher stories, that man has the shittest luck in the world because he seems to everywhere he goes land in a pile of crap. I mean, it just seems to be that every time he walks into something disastrous is happening, and it just seems to be pure luck. So I always thought that part of it is a bit ridiculous from a sort of plotting perspective. It's just like how much bad luck can one person have, and how can they always end up being walking into something that and killing people and whatever it is that he gets involved in. And so my sort of thought process for Divide and Conquer was what if you had a character like a Jack Reacher style character, but who actually had a reason and a purpose for being where he was. And I don't want to give too much away, but he necessarily isn't aware of the fact that there's a problem when he goes there. But that will all become apparent when you finish the book, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense, yeah. Um, so it's one of those sort of... So that one was a very specific idea which was I think I just finished my sort of sixth or seventh reacher and I was just like oh my god how does this guy manage to it's almost farcical how he can always end up in the why is it not a case of he's sort of being steered towards these things or whatever it is anyway so that one and and that was that was my sort of thought process that's how that book kicked off um I can't remember the process of how I came up with chapter one but oh no I do yeah but I can't explain that without giving away too much. Um, but in general, um, the plotting process is I'll have a semblance of an idea. It will grow in my mind for maybe a few weeks. And I'll maybe take the sort of most basic of notes. I generally know how they're going to end. I have absolutely no idea what's going to happen in the middle. And... I usually have an idea of how to start them. And then beyond that, it's just going for it. So I just start writing and the story sort of tends to sort of formulate itself as I go along. Um, My notes, if you ever had to look at them, usually tend to be, I start off with this great idea that I'm going to take a note of all the characters that I introduce, uh, take a note of all their sort of details. And invariably, after I've written down about five names, 
before you know it, I'm sort of flicking back. What was the name of that character again? Because I haven't written it down. So, no, I'm not the best note taker. And I generally just go for it with a view of here's where I need to get to and here's where I start off. And I have sort of ideas in my mind of where that might go, but generally tends to go off in slightly different tangents. America's Trust is a very good example. There's a whole portion of that book that I never thought of until I was about 30,000 words in and it just went off on a completely different tangent at one point that I hadn't even considered and it actually made the book work much better because of it And what do you use to write? Do you use like Word or do you, like a Scrivener type writing software? Um, I use Word um, I tried Scrivener and I think it's Depending on how your mind works, it can be absolutely fantastic. I've got a friend who uses it, who absolutely swears by it. Um, me, I work very much. I start writing the book, start at chapter one. I work my way through every single chapter. It has to make sense one after the other. It has to fit in. I sort of flow from one to the other, and I don't ever sort of chop and change them. Whereas mm, I think he yeah. sort of plays about a bit more with his sort of formats and. Uh, where his sort of chapters will lie and his chapters don't necessarily follow in the same he writes a slightly different genre for me, he thinks it's absolutely fantastic, for me Word is definitely all I need, so just Microsoft Word on a Mac yeah yeah, that's perfect. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, whatever. Whatever it takes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's whatever works yeah. for the individual. I mean, certainly, Scrivener from a sort of, if you're really into taking notes and writing and having your sort of noteboard and your sort of planning things out, it's absolutely fantastic because it can all be there in front of you. I don't do any of that, so it's very much a case of I just sort of sit down and start writing, and that's me. I'm off and running. So. I wouldn't really use. I have Scrivener, um, and actually had done a screenplay on it, so I found it very good for that because of the formatting. Um, and again, just from that perspective, just was um, it was just a case of flowing, but I wasn't using a huge amount of the tools that was available to me at the time. Um, mm. Certainly within the function, it's, it's a fantastically powerful tool, but as I say, it's just not for me. But hobby yourself, what do you use? Uh, I use Scrivener, yeah, but I'm like yeah. uh, my style of writing sounds like your friend because I'll, I go, I'm more chapter based. So like, I'm, and then if I need to move, and then usually I need to move the chapters around. So then Scrivener works very nicely for me because I can just drag and drop them. Yeah, 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 yeah. And for example, he'll he'll write chapters that he knows. He'll write a part of the story which he knows is going to be in different parts of the book, which yeah. is completely separate and things. I don't have, or I don't do it that way myself. So for me, it just seems to not work. But, mm. um, but yeah. So whatever works for you is the main thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I was looking at your covers from your um, and your your young adult. So the, those seem to be also like thriller type action books, uh, even for young adults. Yes. Yeah. No. That's how I get into writing. Actually, um, oh. basically, what happened was going somewhere and um, I had gone to the checkout with I think it, it was before the sort of Kindle had sort of taken off and the time at which you had to plan sort of luggage allowance towards your books 
So I think I had about 10 books I had sort of set on the counter and my stepson had gone off to buy a book or a few books to sort of take with us and um, appeared back with nothing, saying that he couldn't find anything to read. I said, don't be ridiculous. So I took him over to the sort of young adult section and um, he said, no, no, there's nothing there. I'm fed up with uh, wizards and I'm fed up with vampires. Um, And there wasn't really much left. So I said, oh, I've got an idea for a book. Uh, Well, I didn't say that then. So anyway, while we were off on holiday, I sort of had this idea. And it was actually an idea. I'd worked on TV at the time. and It was an idea I had thought of for would be a quite a good TV show. And then I thought, oh, well, maybe I could just sort of write the storyline. And so I started writing the story. Um, now, I've got, I'm an engineer. I've got a chemical engineering degree. So it's never something that's sort of been within me that I have to write. I'm literary. I, I, need, to, I need to put my words down or whatever on paper. It's never been something that was ever a calling for me. So I sort of started writing this storyline and before I knew it, I'd written 50 pages, then 100 pages, then a couple of hundred pages, and then I finished the book. And to everyone's surprise, they sort of read it and thought, that's really good, really enjoy it. So I sent it off to an agent, as you did back then, and they really liked it as well. And they asked, is there there another story? Uh, Well, I have an idea for another one. Um, so they said, well, can you give us the outline of what the other story would be and how long will it be till you finish it? So I gave them the outline, the only outline I've ever written for a book, and I think I followed about 25% before I went off on complete tangents and basically tore that up and wrote a completely different book from what I said I was going to write. Um, so that was, oh, when was that? That must have been about eight, nine years ago. And that was J.K. Rowling's agent that wanted the second book and oh, wanted funny. to see them. And so basically, they had a look at that. They were really interested in taking it. And then there was a lot of changes internally, and they closed the doors to any new authors. Um, just as I was sort of finished, just as I'd finished that second book, a new agent came on board who had been a, a CEO of a big publishing house and brought, I think it was something like 50 authors with them. So they just closed the doors to everybody. Um, So that didn't go anywhere, as these things happen. And that's why I'd written my first uh, adult thriller, because at that point it was so hard for people to even look at a young adult thriller. Everybody was writing them. Um, Everyone was writing for the young adult market because of J.K. Rowling. And... So I started writing adults when I was at that point and sort of then Kindle came along and then before I knew it, uh, it was, I've never really looked back at this sort of traditional method because of the the way the indie publishing now works. So yes, they're sort of action thrillers. So the principle behind them is there's a young sort of 14-year-old boy, 14-year-old girl who are stepbrother, stepsister, he's the brains, she's the brawn, even though she's sort of she's a sort of martial arts expert type girl. So but very small, so nobody really thinks much of her. Um but and he's sort of intelligent, very intelligent, who he gets the brains from his father who's very rich and maybe somebody tries to kidnap them from this school and it's all about the sort of kidnap of them. Um and the next 
storyline Assassin is a sort of continuation of that when it's a sort of shadowy group that are trying to sort of take control of the world and this sort of young sort of boy and girl sort of are the sort of <coughs> they stop everything happening but I don't want to give too much away so anyway yeah so kidnapping Assassin very much sort of thrillers is the big difference between writing for an adult and young adult? Is it like the level of violence, or I mean, I've not had any complaints about the level of violence I have in them. I mean, certainly there's no gratuitous violence. Um, there's no sort of torture scenes or anything like that. But yeah, there's certainly still fighting and things in it. I mean, the big thing is the swearing. There's obviously no swearing whatsoever. Oh. Um, um, and just the sort of characters of much more aimed at what the sort of 12 to sort of 16 market would expect. It's, it's difficult because it, I did write them from the perspective that a 12 to 16 year old are watching 15 plus movies now. There's not many 12 year olds that aren't watching a sort of 15 movie nowadays. Mm. So, I think you have to sort of treat them that they are probably more grown up than um, their parents probably would like them to be. And it's a, certainly a lot of 12 to sort of 14, probably, well, certainly 14-year-olds, I would say, are probably sort of moving on to adult books anyway. Um, so, yes, yeah, so I would say level of violence is slightly less. Certainly no gratuitous violence or sort of descriptions of sort of gory scenes. And beyond that, obviously no sex or sort of swearing. Um, whereas with adult books, you can get away with a bit more of each of that. And were you a fan of the uh, of this uh, the thriller genre when as a reader before you started to write? Oh, very much so. Yeah, I mean, absolutely devoured the sort of thrillers, sort of political thrillers, sort of military thrillers. Your sort of Tom Clancy's, Versailles, Ludlums, your Jason Bourne sort of characters, definitely, yeah, yeah. And uh, which uh, did, which uh, of those authors like influenced your your writing? You mentioned Lee Child. Um, probably a bit Lee Child, but more the sort of obviously that sort of this sort of Lone Ranger type character. I've got a couple of the sort of. Reacher-style characters, but then if you go back to your Ludlums and your Forsyths, they were doing that long before Lee Child. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Lee Child obviously done this sort of very short, sharp, boom, 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 um, sort of staccato-type actions. Um, and then at times, I mean, most of his books are fantastic. I mean, some of the more recent ones, maybe not quite so much. Um, and then there's a couple of books that you sort of think... Is that the same character? I think there was one who became a maths genius from nowhere, which seemed a bit sort of strange. I don't know if people remember that one, that suddenly he was doing all these calculations constantly in his mind, which hadn't happened for the previous ten books, um, and hasn't happened since. <laughs> so I don't know what quite happened there. <laughs> um, so yeah, so there is a bit of, sort of strange stuff. But yeah, so I, I mean, one of my all-time favourite books ever is sort of Red Storm Rising, Tom Clancy. I can read oh, yeah. that book over and over and over again. Fabulous book. And there's not actually any characters that you can really remember from that book. It's very much more the story rather than the character based. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the technical Tom Clancy would get so technical, but it would, it would be good. You know, it's like he was one of, one of the ones that could get away with 
with, with you know describing some of these technical stuff and you're still very excited to read it. <laughs> yeah, although to be fair, there was a couple of books where he went a bit of OTT as well. I think there was one where he described the sort of construction of a nuclear bomb, and um, I think it went on for so many pages it was almost farcical. <laughs> yeah. um, and you just were like, oh god, he's still describing this. He's still describing it. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. So I think there's a point at which you have to sort of, yes, technical technical, technical data can be interesting to a point, and I think there's a point that you have to think, right, okay, at what point? It, there's a point at which you start losing people, and I think there's some people will hang on for every single piece of data and sort of technical information. But I think you're probably getting down to about 10% of your readership. So I think mm-hmm. it's, <laughs> I think you have to work out the sort of level of interest versus the sort of, um, people that are reading and think, right, okay, 90% of people will be happy with this amount of information. So therefore, let's just leave it there. Um, so I think, yeah, it's, you, you can fill a book with technical information, but it wouldn't be a very exciting book. Right, right, yeah. I learned that the hard way with my first one. I got way overboard on the... I, I went to Clancy on it. <laughs> and got oh, okay, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> so now, now I've learned my lesson on, on, my next, on my second and my other books I'm writing now, so <laughs> I'm not going down that road again. <laughs> yeah, I always use this sort, of exp- this sort of analogy. What is it? Uh, in my books, a leaf falls out of a tree. In other books, they might, in sort of more literary works, they'll maybe spend 10 pages telling you how the leaf, how the leaf falls out the tree. Yeah. <laughs> Mine is just fell out the tree. And even then, it might not even be relevant, so it wouldn't actually fall out the tree because it doesn't actually add to the storyline. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, yeah, why is the leaf falling? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Who cares? <laughs> Unless it's been shot and somebody's dead at the other end of it, yes. So, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I try and... I try and only put things in my books which are relevant to the actual storyline. So no fluff or fillers. Um, or sort of going off on a sort of self-analysis or whatever. And yeah. you do a lot of research for your for your books? Yeah. I mean, you want to make sure things are as accurate as possible. So if somebody's flying from one side of the earth to the other, um, there has to be yes, you can do that flight, this is how long it takes, so then you have to work out, okay, within the story, they can't just appear at the other side of the world, because obviously if it takes 14 hours or 20 hours to make that journey, there's 20 hours of storyline that you have to cover off in some way or other, they can't just suddenly, somebody's having a problem on the other side of the world, and boom, they're there, obviously, you have to look at that, uh, and work out how does how do you work that into the storyline. Um, Vehicles, uh, all the information on vehicles, are they, are, do they exist? What can the vehicles do? Um, weapons, what can they do? What are the sort of new weapons out there? What are the things that, um, if it's say, for example, the US military you're talking about, what have they got in their arsenal that could deal with the situation they're currently doing? Um, who's responsible for satellites? Who's responsible for this? What agency is responsible for this particular part of the sort of defence of the nation? So it's going into all that detail and working out the individual sort of scale and size of the individual agencies that you're dealing with, whether in the US, the UK, Israel, wherever it may be. Um, uh, the Divide and Conquer, I think there's 
a bit about the Russians. I don't know how far mm-hmm. you're in, so there's some stuff with the sort of FSB and things. And you, uh, writing your books, um, do you find like like challenge if if, if you're writing like the because you always hear about the British English and the American English? Is that something that you find the challenge? Or you got already got that under control, or how does that how does that work? Um, thinking about it, I would say it. it uh, I mean, I mean, certainly there's certain words that, for example, like trunk, we use boot, torch, mm-hmm. flashlight. Uh, sidewalk, pavement, queues and lines. There are these things that I sort of know but still slip in there. Um, I mean, the fact that none of you guys can spell and you seem to have forgotten the letter <laughs> U exists. Um, uh, but yes, no, it's, I'm joking. It's um, It does, I mean, colour, why do you need a U in it? But anyway. Um, so yeah, things that so that part of it is fine. Um, I mean, I do spend quite a bit of time in America as well. Uh, my sort of father-in-law has a condo in St. Pete's down in Florida, and we're there quite often. So, nice. and we've been nipping across for the last sort of well, I've been back and forth for twenty years to America. So, I mean, it's it's somewhere where we spend a lot of time. A lot of the TV we watch is American. Um, most of, I'd say probably 90% of the TV I watch is probably American. The news, I watch a lot of American news, obviously, because I need to know what's going on. Um, and as I say, spend a lot of time there. As for the sort of ins and outs of sort of, I have an American editor who will go through it and sort of check the sort of spellings. Although that's where Microsoft Word comes in quite nice. You just set it to US English. Um, and that's, that's fine. So then it comes down to the sort of individual words that you use that we don't use, the ones like the examples I used earlier, um, that just seem to be tiny little things that you don't really understand until you start writing it and somebody says, what? why would you use a torch for that? And it's like, <laughs> it's a flashlight. Why would they use a torch? And they're thinking, a lit torch. Somebody's walking about with a torch that's lit with uh, whatever. Anyway, so yes, so it 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 seems to be okay. I mean, I'll get a couple of comments. I think you guys use a lot more commas than we do. The Oxford comma we really struggle with. <laughs> that just doesn't make any sense at all. But anyway, we won't go there. I think it's quite a big debate. Yeah, the the, yeah. the old Oxford comma is just that we just pause when you see a comma. So it's just taking completely <laughs> you start take a, a nice sort of quick and sharp and sh- sort of shocking sentence and absolutely destroy it with an Oxford comma. Actually, went out of story. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Punctuated uh, to death. So yeah, so the, the things like that that we maybe and I think occasionally I'll be picked up on things that probably revolve around the comma scenario. Um, and again, the American editor probably picks up some of that, but um, there's some instances where I just take them back out anyway because I just can't bear it. <laughs> it just doesn't work. Out of principle. Well, just out of, it just doesn't work. And you just sort of read it and think, no, you just can't put a comma in there. It just, the whole sentence just doesn't work if there's a comma in there. But anyway, 
Yes. So, so I'd say that um, yeah, most of it's okay. Most of it yeah. is fine, and then there's just this sort of occasional little. I mean, as much as we are different, I think we're far more similar. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think you're absolutely right. It's just the, the little words, you know, little, like you said, you know, like elevator versus lift. Uh, that's the only thing. Uh, but you're, I mean, you got it down. Pat, I, I actually didn't really realize you were British until we started asking about the interview. <laughs> I was like, All right, well, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> As I say, I mean, yeah. I, I, although I sound, uh, although obviously I sound very sort of British, as I say, we um, we spend a lot of time in the US, um, mm-hmm. and to be honest, a lot of time across Europe. So we try and spend a lot of time in France as well. My wife's half uh, French, so um, there's a lot of time there as well. Um, and as I say, we spend a lot of time in Florida, which is a lovely part of the world. Mm-hmm. Where do you usually write? Uh, do you like have like a a dedicated spot in your house, or do you go to the coffee shop? Um, no, I've just got a room, uh, a sort of office that I write in. Don't I like the sort of peace and quiet to write? So it's very much a sort of quiet room. No, no background noise, no music, no nothing. Just sort of me and the sort of storyline in my mind, and just sort of get it down. Um, I try, as I mentioned before, I own some shops. Um, sort of five stores, which, funnily enough, I've lived down in Norwich, which is just north of London, but my shops are all in Scotland, um, and that's from a sort of historic business that I was part of. Um, so I tend to get quite a lot of phone calls, uh, particularly this time of year, coming up towards Christmas. So I sort of try and write in between. So this is a very bad time of year for me to write, but um, I've just finished the book, and it was a case of trying to write in between the phone calls and everything else that's happening. It can get quite interesting and quite frustrating at times. But yes. Do you, do you write every day? Uh, no, no. I'll. Um, I'm going to write, but I will never force myself to write. So I'm not a type. I'm not the type of author that says I need to put one or two thousand words down a day. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll only write down the days that the one or two thousand words won't then get scored out the next day. So if it's not going to be part of the storyline, or I'm sort of really forcing myself to think, right, okay, what am I going to write? I don't force it. I just wait until it comes. And invariably, within maybe a couple of days, it'll come anyway. Um, and then in between books, um, well, at the moment, it's a bit false because I'm just about to move back to London and there's a couple of other things going on that just means that I know for the next six weeks I'm just not going to write. So it's just completely off. off uh, it's just not going to happen for the next six weeks. So then I know that it's going to be basically January before I'm back writing and then I think I'm probably fairly certain, well depending on what happens with the book I've just written Trial, which is my first post-apocalyptic book um, which is great fun to write um, and we'll see how it does, if it does really well there's definitely a book too in there but again, Trial is very much a beginning, a middle and an end um, so this is, I had done a sort of novella for Steve Conkley's Perseid Collapse World, 
of Auckland, um, which was great fun and it was crazy. It was the first time I've ever written a novella, so what was that? I think it ended up 30,000 or 32,000 words. Um, and there was a lot happening at the time and I had a deadline to hit um, to make it in time for the release. And I think I ended up writing that in 10 days. And it was crazy how quickly it actually ended up going down on the paper. Um, but yeah, so that was great fun. So I thought, I quite liked the idea of the post-apocalyptic and I sort of had an idea for it. So uh, trial, sort of my first venture into that sort of side of it properly. So we'll see how that cover. does. Yeah, so now we'll see how that does. And um, it's a sort of main female protagonist. So I think that's my first main female protagonist. I've used a female character. Sorry? Cool to write as the as a female as a protagonist, or you are, I guess you already used to do characters. Um, no, I tend to find it not too bad. Um. Well, I suppose it'll come down to what the female readers think of me writing as a female character. <laughs> um, but, I mean, it's action thriller, so you're sort of trying to put yourself in the shoes. I mean, I've written many female characters before. I think Divide and Conquer, there's one quite a strong female character in there. Um, the Critical Error, definitely a very strong female character, a very strong female character in Critical Error. Um, a Mossad sort of assassin. Um, there's a strong female character in America's Trust, traitor as well. In fact, most of my books have got strong female characters. Um, and as I mentioned earlier, the sort of young adult ones, the first ones I've written, um, mm. the sort of two main protagonists are a young boy, young girl. So, so yeah, no, I, I, I seem to find it okay. As I say, I suppose it comes down to the reviews from the readers. They can tell you whether or not I've worked out, <laughs> knocked it off or not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I, I, I think um, it will come down to in January how that's been perceived. And as I say, there's a potential for that to be a sort of, it could be a sort of couple of books, maybe three books, storyline. But again, individual stories, not sort of continuations of the same story as such. No cliffhanger. Yeah, the same series, but each one being a standalone. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, standalone, but yeah. 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 Okay, well, that sounds uh, pretty cool. So it's kind of interesting that even though you might you do different genres, there's still high action thrillers, you know, like dystopian or, you know, the young adults. So that's pretty neat. Uh, even though you do different genres, you still stay true to the, the fast action. Yeah, I mean, I've written. That. Uh, the God Complex is a sci-fi thriller. Um, I've got Trial, which is the post-apocalyptic thriller. And I've actually written uh, another genre as well, which is... Uh, if you Have you got your computer there? Yep. Yeah, if you type uh, Voyeur, M.K. MacDonald... Oh, well, that seems like a little uh, the steamy side, <laughs> <laughs> but it's still a thriller. <laughs> yeah, so wow, so no matter that's really cool. No matter what genre you use, even these uh, like uh, is this? Am I saying this is erotic, right? 
It's an erotic thriller. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So even that, you're you sticking with uh, you're still sticking with uh, with a thriller. I think that's so. I think that's so cool. Yeah. So no, it was um, it was just one of the things I thought oh, I'll give it a try to see if it works. So, yeah. yeah. So so yeah. So um, so yeah, that's another one. <laughs> so yeah, a different genre as well. Wow, that's amazing! How you're so prolific with uh, you know all the other stuff that you got going on, and, you, uh, and you're still cranking on all these books. That's uh, pretty pretty impressive. No, well, as long as people like them, that's the main thing. Yeah, um, yeah, you do pretty good. So I think I think I, <laughs> people seem to be liking them a lot. Your reviews are excellent, and so uh, yeah, it's great. No, it's been, um, uh, uh, yeah, it's been good fun. I mean, I really do enjoy writing them. I mean, I always go with the view that I'll only ever write something and sort of put something out there that I'd really like to read myself. Mm-hmm. So that's my sort of... I always sort of start off from that perspective. Would I want to read this? And every time, every sort of time I write a chapter, I'm thinking, like, what would I want to happen next if I was reading this? So I think if I keep going with that, that view, and I think if I ever got to the point I was just putting books out and not caring about whether or not I'd like it myself, I think that's the point at which I'll stop. Yeah. Okay, well, before I let you go here, um, so you can enjoy your evening, uh, anything else can I do? Tell our listeners, especially um, we have some aspiring writers on here, any advice that you'd like to give them before I, I let you go? Um advice I think the best thing you can do and certainly what I did was I had an idea I didn't have a full idea I had no idea how it was going to go but just start and at the end of the day it's amazing how much when you start that it starts to take shape and it's not until you actually start that I think you fully understand where the storyline is going to go I think too many people have to have or think they have to have the whole idea fully formalised in their mind before they can move forward and sort of start writing. And I think the best way to do it is just go for it and just give it a try and see how it goes and just let the story sometimes take it where it... And at the end of the day, the story is in your mind and whether or not you're sort of fully understanding in your mind where it's going or your subconscious is sort of telling you where it's going I'm not sure how you would separate that because ultimately it's still your mind so I think you just sort of start and you just go for it and all I would say as aspiring writers just go for it just start writing and that's certainly what I did um, 10 years ago with the sort of semblance of an idea um, and that idea as a began to write, sort of took shape, took form, and sort of, yeah, I think it's the only book I've rewritten chapter one. I think I've rewritten chapter one for that. I think it was about five rewrites for chapter one. And it's the only book I've ever rewritten pretty much anything. Most books now I just write and don't ever really need to rewrite what I've already written. So, but that's the only one, and that's because I didn't really know what I was doing when I started. And then by the time I actually got <laughs> to the end of the book, I understood more what I was doing, 
and realised the mistakes I'd made in the first chapter, and I haven't made them since. So, if that helps anyone, I hope so. And don't yeah. waste your time on Twitter. That's the only other thing to say. <laughs> All social media. <clears throat> I wouldn't, I know, I think, I'd say Facebook is, if you're going to waste your time on social media, Facebook is far more helpful than Twitter. You'll never sell a book on Twitter. Yeah. You can get 10,000 followers on Twitter and all you've done is probably waste six months of your life building up 10,000 <laughs> followers. And you might have luckily sold one book. So that's the only thing I'd say. If that yeah, right, then, yeah, no, it does, it does help. Thanks for, for your info and uh, thanks uh, for uh, uh, being on the show. I appreciate it. No, thank you. Thank you. Much appreciated for asking me to come on. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to this episode of Meet the Thriller Author. I'd like to ask you to please review and rate this uh, podcast over on iTunes. It really helps me get the word out. If you take a few seconds of your time to uh, do that, it would be much appreciated. You can also visit my website at thrillingreads.com forward slash podcast for show notes on this episode, as well as information about the uh, podcast in general. And you can also sign up for my mailing list there. You'll be getting uh, special offers from our guests as well as information uh, behind the scenes information on the podcast and uh, please do visit my author website at alanpeterson.com i appreciate your support and so until next episode i will talk to you then